We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Justin McCord, a former overall winner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship and a winner of nearly $20,000 in his high stakes career. In this episode, we break down the roles that Josh Doxson and Sterling Shepard will play for fantasy owners, the Washington backfield without Rob Kelly, and how he's managed the team into the top 40 of this year's FFPC main event. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion David Hubbard, the winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest along with his co-manager Nelson Sousa. Hubbard shares a few stories from his season-long grind this year, as well as another fantasy adjustment in the Green Bay backfield. You can follow Hubbard on Twitter at 208-858-740. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, David Hubbard. This week, uh, and it has to do with the Packers' backfield again. Aaron Jones goes down. Ty Montgomery, uh, we don't know if he's going to give it a go against the Ravens this week. Obviously, Jamal Williams is has to be owned. He's going to be picked up in a lot of leagues this week. If Montgomery is indeed out, can you start Williams with any kind of confidence this weekend against Baltimore? You you could, depending on uh, what your running back situation is with Freeman's injury and and Zeke being out, and there's a lot of fluid situations, and your running back situation's bad. Sure, you could plug Williams in and play. I think uh, Ty Montgomery's probably going to go. I think now they're going to. Uh, I don't know how. I don't even think he's injured. I think it was a pain tolerance deal, and they're, they're going to shoot him, start shooting him up. And he's just going to play. If so the, we'll it, see how that works out. But yeah, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely play Williams if I was in a bind at running back or the second running back, and if I if I had him and they did, uh, uh, and uh, Montgomery wasn't active. If that does indeed uh, become the case where Montgomery is active, how do you see percentage-wise, how do you see the touches being split between him and Williams? I think they want to go with Montgomery. I think I think it'll be 80-20, just giving uh, Montgomery some uh, breathers, depending on, on uh, how he deals with the pain and uh, that type of thing. But I think if he's ready to go and he plays, he's going to get the majority of the touches. Let's talk about Shady McCoy here, Dave. Uh, two games in a row that he's really let his owners down. How concerned are you about his production down the stretch uh, while you're submitting lineups that grow more and more important each week? Uh, Shady's an interesting guy. I really can't put it on Shady. Uh, the Bills just opened up a can of quit two weeks in a row. And uh, the game flow has been terrible for them. Their defense, like, just quit almost. Like, they just get just getting torched. So uh, I don't know if it's shady or if it's just the Bills team in general right now, and maybe they can uh, turn it around. But if they don't, then then play behind uh, and the offensive line doesn't block and the defense doesn't tackle, uh, you can't expect too much from shady. But I have a feeling the NFL teams go through uh, phases like that, uh, and the Bills were at one time were looking like a pretty good team and their defense was playing pretty well. But the last two weeks, for whatever reason, they have not played well. So. I, I mean, if you if you own Shady, you drafted him early, almost uh, first round. So you're going to play him to you're going to win or lose with him one one way or the other. So there's no way you're sitting him. So if you own him, you're probably going to play him. Yeah, you definitely don't want to sit a guy like that while he's healthy. Uh, you know, coming into these money weeks, uh, shifting the focus from the Buffalo backfield to the Chargers backfield. Austin Eckler actually had a good game. If you take away that late fumble uh, that he had, but you know he gets the two touchdowns, several catches through the air. How realistic a possibility is it that Los Angeles starts to become more of an RBBC with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler uh, after the big performance from him on Sunday? I really don't think there's a chance of that. I think that's just a one-game deal, and I don't know if like uh, Montgomery. I mean, uh, Montgomery um, Gordon was coming out of the uh, bye week. I mean, uh, coming out with injury, thought he would be healthy, but maybe he's still not 100. percent And they're trying to trying to limit his. Uh, touches for a couple weeks to save him for late in the year. Uh, he's their running back. There's no doubt about that. And uh, the Eckler kid's good, though. I like the Eckler kid. I own a little bit of him, but uh, no way I'm playing him. I'm just playing Gordon and, and seeing what happens from here on out. I mean, he's a he's the clear handcuff to Gordon. If Gordon were to go down, Eckler could be like a top 15 guy. 
Oh, 100%. I think he's easily the clear handcuff. Uh, I think Oliver's just kind of too small for that role, and, and Oliver's more of a pass-catching uh, third down, change of pace guy, where Eckler looks like he could he could uh, touch the ball uh, 15, 20 times a game with no problems. Trying to repeat as uh, 2016 FFPC main event champs uh, is obviously uh, tough to impossible. <clears throat> But managing as many teams as you guys do might be even tougher uh, than repeating. What's been the most challenging aspect that that you, Nelson, and Austin have faced this season? I, I think we did too many teams, to be honest. Because I think, and really, I'm retired now, so I have I have a lot of time. But when you do this many teams, just the sheer volume of the waiver wire work, uh, people that don't do this many teams have no idea. It's just it's it's unreal almost. Uh, it's 12 to 14 hours a day. So I'll never, I don't think I'll ever do this many season long teams again, because I don't think I give the attention to a team early in the season. Uh, now the teams start condensing and cause the ones that are going to make, try to make you some money, the ones you're going to be paying attention to more than the ones that aren't. So it gets easier as the season goes along, but we made a lot, a lot of mistakes this year that, that I consider like bad mistakes uh, on the waiver wire starting set situations and I think it's a time deal where you can't spend the time you need to look and analyze that team and, and, and do what you need. You're, you're in a hurry to get to the next one and make sure you get them all in under the, the wire. I'll tell you a funny story. I was clicking one night so hard that I clicked on Devontae Freeman and dropped him and uh, <laughs> got got a hold of Dave and Dave's how it happens all the time with that many teams and of course they gave him back to me but still that just gives you an example of a mistake that that happens when you're doing that volume of teams. It's it's crazy. The waiver wire work and the time it takes to do start sit decisions. It's just it's unreal almost. Uh, final question for you before I let you go. This is the final week of the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main events regular season. After this, the league playoffs will start. How are how is your portfolio to so to speak looking? How are these teams looking uh, with one week to go trying to get them into the playoffs? I'm a little tilted. Tilted is a uh, poker term because I play a little poker, and I'm definitely tilted. We had some Zeke teams that I felt were almost like literally unbeatable. Uh, they hadn't really put up the huge deals, but the teams now, I'll take an example, we had a team put 180, then Zeke's on the bench. So that makes your stomach hurt and kind of gives you a bad taste in your mouth when you, when you, when you drafted these teams, and I feel like we got screwed on that deal. Uh, but we drafted him knowing that they were, he was in the courts, but um, – I, can't, I still can't believe the NFL allowed that to happen, and uh, and so that that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But overall, I would say we have some bullets that uh, you say it's hard to repeat. But I, I like a couple of our main event teams, and usually the ones I pick out that I like are the ones that uh, that get there. Like the one the, I was doing an interview, I think it was you, like week eight, and I said well, we had a football guys team that was sitting seventh, and you said, you know what, I like this main event team we have that's sitting like 180th, and sure enough, that was the team that won. So I think we're sitting pretty good. We could be sitting a whole, whole lot better if we had Zeke. Uh, and we had Zeke in some big money leagues, confined leagues, like 20K worth. And uh, that hurts when uh, he's a key cog and that it's hard to win when you do that. I say that, though. We drafted a team I was looking at tonight. I'm going through doing my portfolio and doing my waiver wire work and analyzing teams that, that have a chance to get to the shootout. And uh, we drafted ODB in the first round. And we drafted Cameron Meredith and we drafted Martavius Bryant. That was our three wide receivers that we drafted on that team. Mm. That team scored the most points in the league. If you told <laughs> me that, I would say you were lying if you actually told me that, but it, it's the truth. When I look at that team, I don't even know how I did it. I, I still don't know. 
it doesn't have receivers on it at all, and it's it's scored the most points in that league. So yeah, well, I go mean, figure. But and we've seen it time and time again. There, there's been plenty of times where we've looked at uh, the you know the team that wins the whole thing or a team that's you know competitive you know in week 16 <clears throat> that that finishes top five or top ten. You look at the team like my goodness, how did they do it? But you know, it, it yeah. sometimes it's just yeah. the right line of decisions. And and I remember talking to you last year about. Um, you know, a couple of football guys teams. And I wanted to talk to you about the ones that were, you know, top 10 overall. And you said, no, look, Balky, look at this one here. That's, you know, it's only an 80th, but I think this one's a lot better. And sure enough, uh, that one ended up shooting way up too. So it, it's a funny thing. And uh, it's only, <laughs> we, we've only got done with act one. Now the, the real stuff uh, starts. The to real fun up. begins. I'll yeah. tell you one quick funny story. Uh, Austin and I were talking, we lead the world in the bench points this year. I don't think the record will ever be broken. I think we've set the all-time record for bench points. So anybody out there listening that feels bad, don't feel bad because I guarantee you I've left more points on the bench than you could ever dream of leaving on the bench. Make your stomach hurt if you play fantasy football. At least you can so, laugh about it right now. So that's, oh, I, so that's, that's all you can do is yeah, laugh about exactly. it. Exactly. Well, yeah. listen, man, I certainly appreciate you chatting with us again this week. Uh, the next time we talk, we'll, we'll be in the thick of the playoffs. Good luck to you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk. Looking forward soon. to it, Balky. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks to David Hubbard for his input this week. Now here's former KFFSC main event overall champ, Justin McCord. Former Kentucky fantasy football state champion, Overall champion, Justin McCord, joining the show this week. Justin, thanks so much for coming on. What, tell the listeners, when you're not playing high-stakes fantasy football, what are you doing for a living? I am a business intelligence developer here in Louisville, Kentucky, for a large healthcare organization. So I do a lot of diving into data and helping our leadership uh, translate that into something they can make decisions off of. You know, I always talk about what what people do for a living sometimes translates to fantasy football, but when it comes to crunching numbers and ingest or, you know, digesting data like you do, don't you get sick of it when you're applying that to fantasy football? I just go crazy. You know, a little bit, but it, because the season sort of resets every year with free agency and coaching changes that, you know, six, 16 weeks is not a ton of data to go off of. And so it you know, it's better than nothing, but it's, it's real easy to, to, jump to the wrong conclusion sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. believe me. I've done that several times. Um, you, oh, I'm perfect at you know, okay. So when, when we were, uh, when I was, was emailing back and forth with you, your football guys team and your main event team, uh, I had you down for nine and one in both, but are you, is that accurate or are you 10 and oh, and one? I think we're nine and one in both. Nine now. and one in both, which is still insane to you know, nine and one in football guys, nine and one, in the main event, which is, you know, fantastic. It'll be 18 and two combined in those. What's been the secret for those uh, teams so far that, that they've enjoyed so much success and are really on the cusp of, of the league playoffs with one week to go? Uh, you know, we've done a really good job. Farrell and I share the football guys team and uh, we've done a really good job of uh, compromising on the players we like and who we want to get in the, uh, the lineup. There had been a lot of arguments this year, but the, the strategy for both has kind of been, uh, choosing that first or second round, maybe third round anchor piece. You know, you're, you don't want to choose somebody that's not going to be consistent for you. You can really screw up a draft choosing the wrong guy in the first or second rounds. And then choosing people that have uh, really high upside. You know, we're really excited about their ceilings and very comfortable with their floors, real moderate floors, not a lot of low floor guys. And then with that dual flex lineup, we just have a lot of options when it comes to setting our lineup. So we just, we're watching the matchups and trying to look a few weeks ahead when we can and just making sure that we're not taken by surprise by anything. 
Yeah, I think the key there is, is always looking a couple of weeks ahead, no matter what point of the season you're at. I, I think the people that, are, that can do that and do it well are always going to be at a, a significant advantage. Um, okay, I don't have my facts and figures in front of me here, but I've talked about this with several high-stakes players. I've talked about this on the HSFF Hour as well. If you go through like the top three, four, even five rounds of high-stakes drafts this year, if you look back on it, I don't know if it's just me, but there was a ton, just a ton of busts in each of those rounds. Like the top 60 players, you must have had more than half of them bust out, you know, whether it was suspension or injury or underperformance. It, I mean, it was insane. Does it, does, does it strike you, Justin, this year that there have been a lot more busts, a lot more landmines that, that you needed to avoid in the first few rounds than normal? Yeah, there, and there were a lot of guys that we didn't really like in the second or third round. Uh, it got to the point where, you know, in, in Kentucky, we bid on our draft spot, so you have a little control over that. Uh, and one of the reasons why I love going early this year was that some of the guys being taken 13th or 14th, I didn't like any better than some of the guys going 25th or 26th. Uh, and so getting one of those top-tier guys early really kind of separated you from from the rest of the pack, and I think that makes a difference. But, yeah, this year you, you take even injuries out of it. There's just been a lot of disappointment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in those first three, four rounds. A, a lot of underperformance, uh, for sure. Uh, it's just, and that's so, that's, sometimes that's even worse because you feel compelled to start those guys week in and week out because they're not injured. They're, they're just, you know, sucking it up, <laughs> which is, it, it stinks because how do you sit a guy like that? It's, it's so difficult. And people played that game with Amari Cooper. A lot of people had Amari Cooper on their benches when he blew up for that 44. Uh, against the the Chiefs on on Thursday night football. It's just, it's crazy. Um, Another one of those uh, guys that has, well, he hasn't really been underperforming, but for the next few weeks he will. You've been quote-unquote zeked in your, I believe, main event and football, guys. But I want to talk about the main event uh, because you also had Aaron Jones on that team. He's out three to six weeks with an uh, MCL sprain or, or tear or whatever it is. It's the MCL injury. Is there somewhere else that, that you're looking to for running back help off the waiver wire this late in the game? Or are you going to try to ride Blau Powell, you know, with, with Matt Forte probably missing more action? And then Duke Johnson, who, you know, seems like he's coming up with 15 fantasy points just about every week in that Cleveland offense. Yeah, I've been pretty happy with what Duke Johnson's been able to provide my team. Of course, Blau Powell's out on a bye this week, so I've got to go grab somebody. Uh, the number one choice, I guess, right now is obviously Jamal Williams because he's going to get a lot of work even if Montgomery comes back. Uh, and I uh, I don't have a lot of waiver wire money left, which is why I can't have nice things. So <laughs> my options are a little limited. But, you know, I, I like uh, Giovanni Bernard still available in my division. Uh, he came out and got 10 points this week with Hill out on IR. I think there's there's the possibility that he can keep that up with the, the PPR numbers that he gets. He's got a decent schedule as far as, you know, he's, at Tennessee at home, then he's at Denver, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. These, are, I mean, the Bengals are going to need to throw the ball, and uh, I think he'll get in enough passing down work to be a viable fill-in. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at the uh, the running back in Atlanta, Teron Ward. Now that Freeman's going to possibly miss more than one week with a concussion, he's a guy that I might be able to add to my roster. Um, you know, Corey Clement threw up that major weekend, but with the Jai coming in, I, you know, I, that's not sustainable even at half those numbers. Uh, you know, and I might might even look towards Baltimore to see if uh, when Terrence West is going to come back, if he's going to come back. And does Alex Collins really have a solid grip on that job? I think he does, but, I, you know, at this point, I 
beggars can't be choosers. They got to have somebody to fill in for one week. Yeah, I mean, there's some options out there. I, you know, I think what 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 I'm hearing, and and I totally agree with you. There's no magic bullet uh, out there that's that's gonna, you know, ma- you know, magically solve uh, anybody's running back problems that this deep in the season. One one thing we're gonna talk about on on the high stakes fantasy footballer this week is this report that came out that uh, Chris Carson could actually return. Uh, before the end of the season in Seattle, do you have any interest? I mean, obviously not this week, but do you have any interest in him in like a week 15, 16 play, given the fact that Seattle really has not had anybody but Carson have any kind of level of consistency back there this season, um, and that he is available in a lot of leagues after he broke his leg and went on IR? O- or is this just a pipe dream? Is there nothing to see here? It's probably a pipe dream. Uh, but at this point in the season, as far as running back goes, there's not a lot out there. And I, I feel really bad for the people who have had C.J. Procise on their roster all season, hoping he would get back into the form and, and the potential that everyone saw in him. And then, and then for him to go on to IR now, um, maybe you feel a little better about Chris Carson. But that running game has just not been, for fantasy purposes, or really for NFL purposes, anything that you want to count on. But if you have a roster spot, and you're not hurting for a running back, it might be worth, you know, stashing him away. But I, I, in a position where I have a need to fill, you know, I don't think I'm going to pin my hopes on that. And I have McFadden, but I, I don't feel comfortable starting him. It's going to be in this situation. It, we're at that time of the year now too, with you know, we're coming up on week 11, the last week of the buys uh, for all teams this year. Uh, there's going to be some teams that are, are dropping some, you know top 45 top 50 receiver type guys and for these lottery ticket running backs just to to try to catch lightning in a bottle and, and certainly that's a a fine strategy uh for a lot of people as long as you can keep everybody else healthy uh let's uh shift we've been talking about running backs i want to talk, talk about receivers specifically josh Doxon. this is a guy who's on your main event team and uh this is a guy that we we waited all last year we, we've been waiting this year and he's actually shown some signs and not only uh, has he flashed, but he's getting an opportunity. Kirk Cousins is definitely looking his way. We know that Jameson Crowder's let a lot of people down. Terrell Pryor's let everyone down this year. Jordan Reed has been dinged up. Given all three of those guys under performance and injury issues, uh, is Josh Doxson a guy that you'll be actually looking at to start uh, down the stretch here as, as you uh, play for some serious cash uh, these last few weeks of the season? I'm definitely eyeing uh, his matchup against the Giants in Week 12 as uh, is a, a place where I can possibly exploit that weak Giants defense and maybe get some points out of him. He's a really difficult guy to put in your lineup. Uh, you know, his targets have gone up, as you mentioned, with uh, everything that's going on with their receiving core. I mean, he's caught uh, – I mean, he had seven targets, I think, last week, which was a season high for him. So if, if that can trend upwards, that, that would be great. He's been kind of touchdown dependent, too. I mean, he's had three touchdowns this year, but in each game where he had a touchdown, he only caught one ball. Right, and yeah. that's just it's not something I can consist of. But now, you know, week twelve is a is a money week. You you got to win that game. So uh, if if I think I can score a lot of points on that and help give me the head to head win, I'll absolutely put them in. We're going to see what some of the other players look like. Hey, sports fans! Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. My bookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. My bookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. My bookie has in game live betting on every major league and event. 
even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. As it stands right now on the other side of the field, or when Doxon's on the sideline in that game in Week 12, uh, the leading receiver or the number one receiver for his opponent will be Sterling Shepard. He crushed it uh, this past week for you in your football guys league. 11 catches, 142 yards. With the Giants in uh, officially in free fall mode, it's only a matter of time before Ben McAdoo is given his walking papers. They will be throwing to keep up mostly the rest of the season. Are these games going to be closer to what, what we can expect from Shepard week in and week out? I mean, is he now like a six to seven catch for 70 to 80 yards and, you know, a touchdown every other week type player down the stretch? Because that's huge for people if you can count on that the last three weeks of the season. Yeah, I think he can be. I mean, you said he caught 11 balls this week and he did it on 13 targets. You know, Eli Manning's got to be happy with that because he's got such limited options and here's somebody who's reliable. Uh, I mean, his schedule's not that bad. He's going up against Kansas City. He's got Washington, Oakland. These are, I mean, these are teams you can throw the ball on, and New York's going to need to throw the ball on them. So, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've got better options than Sterling Shepard right now on your team, you are in a great position. Yeah, definitely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you are uh, a former, as I uh, alluded to earlier, Justin, you are a former overall champ in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You beat out hundreds of teams for the crown. I know it's been a couple of years, but tell us what you remember about any of the tough decisions that you were faced with uh, down the stretch, uh, not only in weeks 14, 15, 16, but the last, you know, the, the league playoffs as well, because this is what fantasy owners are are staring in the face here uh, for basically every week now, the rest of the season, to either try to get into the playoffs, try to stay alive, and, and try to keep their teams among the top of the leaderboard. Uh, what do you remember about some of the tough lineup decisions you were faced with and, and how you made them? And then what was it like watching week 16 uh, down the stretch uh, and, and seeing your team stay up on top of that leaderboard? I mean, you're always trying to start the best lineup every week. So it really, really shouldn't be a difference. But once you take that head-to-head component out of it, and it's just total points, uh, you know, the first week, I think week 14, I was just – I was. Doing my, my typical, I'm going to just try to set the best lineup as if it was a head-to-head week. And I want to be, you know, I'm not going to swing for the fences. I just want to put up a good week. And I, and I put up like a 170, 180 type week. That was great. And I thought, okay, so now that I've put up a good week and I'm kind of in the top third or top fourth of the of the playoff bunch, you know, I want to put up another good week, but I don't want to get too crazy with it. And I think I only put up 140. And I was very disappointed. And I didn't even go look at the leaderboard until later on in the week when I realized a lot of people didn't have great weeks and I was actually, I had actually moved up some. <laughs> and so now it got interesting moving into week 16 is do I start, do I start really questioning, do, do I want to put up my, my safe lineup or do I want to, you know, take some shots here and see if I can, I, if I can move up. I definitely remember going light on receiver and the, you know, the Kentucky, Kentucky's got that kind of uh old school lineup where you do the three wide receivers and two running backs and a flex. So I was definitely flexing all wide receivers in the hopes of finding a, a good game, looking for good matchups. I remember checking weather reports a lot more frequently than I normally do just for kickers and for, 
and for receivers to see if it was going to be raining or windy or anything like that. And I was going into the final final game, I think that Monday night game, with uh, Team Shocker, you know, uh, Dorsey and Khan right behind me. And uh, I'm trying to I recall, I, I believe that was when I had the Green Bay defense or the Chicago defense, something like that. And Chicago was down to its third string running back. And I, I thought there's no way that I don't, I don't get beat here. Maybe, maybe they were starting the Green Bay defense. I'm not even sure. And it was just, it was kind of a, kind of a miracle sort of situation. They had, they also had the, uh, they had the Green Bay kicker and Green Bay just kept scoring touchdowns and getting the one extra point instead of the field goals. It's little things like that, that you remember. That... Well, and, and too, like when you're, you know, it's got to be so frustrating seeing. I mean, if you're if you're Jason Cotton, you know, former world champ Jason Cotton, um, you know, who has has been there and done that, and then he's seeing, okay, maybe I can take this Kentucky thing down here, and Green Bay is moving the ball up and down the field, no problem, but they're not stalling out at the end when you need those extra points and the field goals. That has to be just extraordinarily frustrating, but certainly uh, good for you and uh, and congratulations on that. That uh, that. That never gets old uh, when you uh, when you can recall stuff like that. The uh, you alluded to it earlier. The KFFSC uh, features what people would you would classify as as more of an old school uh, lineup. Uh, you know, two running backs, three receivers, tight end, flex, uh, single quarterback, kicker, defense. Uh, you know, regular PPR. What was the most difficult adjustment that you made when you? Um, started playing the FFPC where you have the point and a half per catch for tight ends, the dual flex lineups, you know, only having to start two receivers. What was the most difficult adjustment, you know, be it waivers, draft, draft prep, whatever it was, what was the the toughest thing for you to adjust to when you started playing FFPC? I've almost always played the tight end position wrong. We went into it the first year and we used that dual flex to our advantage and tried to load up on some tight ends. and it just didn't work out for us. And we've tried to to wait on tight end later and try to hit multiple value picks. And we've I, I've seemed to I've seemed to go about it every way, and every way I did it was wrong. And so this year, uh, I'm watching that Thursday night game. We're all at uh, Planet Hollywood, and Travis Kelsey is having the game, the exact game that I want him to have, where he's putting up enough points that you can put him in your starting lineup and feel okay about it. I think he had like 11 or 12 or something like that, but not where he's going to rocket up the board. And so drafting from the fourth position, he was there in the second round, and I was—I I felt really confident. Just I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Travis Kelsey, and I'm not gonna worry too much about that position for the yeah. rest of the draft. And I'm just gonna draft receivers and go that way. Yeah, and it also helped too that Thursday night game. You saw Tyreek Hill and um, Kareem Hunt uh, rocket up boards, and, and and to a certain to a certain extent, Alex Smith rose up uh, a little bit too. Kelsey really wasn't affected by it at all. He kind of, his value stayed pretty consistent uh, through. And and I know the tight end thing is a challenge. I mean, and, and I don't know if you can ever really master it because the tight end value seems to change from year to year. We've seen, you know, we cover the pros versus Joe's drafts uh, on the HSFF hour uh, every year. And I've seen some pretty good teams start off with, you know, three tight ends in like the first six rounds, first seven rounds or whatever. Uh, and they end up making a lot of noise throughout the season. And then I see other teams, you know, do the exact same thing a, a year later. And, you know, even when the tight ends are healthy, it doesn't always work out. It's just, it's a bizarre thing. And it's really maddening, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, if I was trying to do that myself, I don't, I don't know if there's a good way to always consistently get it right because, you know, everything's always changing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and 
there's injuries, there's there's everything to go into it, but it's uh, it is such a wild card in a sense. And when I look, we, you look at the tight ends that went, uh, you know, last year I still I still had the number one seed in my division, but I took uh, Gronkowski with my second pick, whereas this year it was Kelsey, and that's just night and day. Right. Where I was struggling to find someone at tight end to fill for all those weeks Gronk missed, and, and Kelsey's been so consistent this year. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, like uh, our good friend Farrell Elliott always says, the best kind of ability is availability, and Travis Kelsey has definitely <laughs> uh, been that this year. Uh, now we we're not we don't have late breaking news, but you know to bring the listeners behind the curtain, we're recording this here on a Tuesday night. Rob Kelly. A few hours ago was indeed IR'd by the Washington football team. What are your expectations now for Samaji Pirine in that backfield with, with Chris Thompson? And if you want to talk a little bit about um, if Chris Thompson's value changes with no Rob Kelly, there's, you know, by all means, I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on what, what that backfield now means for, for fantasy with those two guys. I don't think it changes all that much. It's nice that one guy's going to get the work instead of two. That's good for fantasy purposes. But I mean, that, I think Washington right now is like 23rd in the league in rushing. It's not great. Uh, and it's it's so weird that you see uh, you see Cousins having a great year for fantasy purposes. And he's he's putting up a ton of points. And then you look at the receivers and you're trying to kind of figure out where those points came from. Because no nobody's really starring in that offense other than Chris Thompson, really. And the running backs are no different. They don't have a great schedule coming up. Uh, you know, I don't want to start up against New uh, you know, Samaji P. Run against New Orleans. I guess if you hold him and, you, and you're in a position like myself right now where you absolutely need a guy, you know, he's probably not on the waiver wire, but I, I don't know that you feel comfortable putting him in your lineup. You've probably had him on the bench anyway, and I think he probably needs to stay there. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I'll tell you this about Cousins too. As, as a guy who owns him in a lot of leagues this year, you know how he's doing it. He's getting he's getting all these rushing touchdowns. I mean, he had two of them last yeah. week. It's just it's with literally with no one else's help. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is making himself, uh, you know, fantasy worthy uh, as a good starter. Even even on the weeks he's not, you know, slinging the rock for three four touchdowns, he's doing it on his own, which is you know I don't know how sustainable it is, but right now it, it seems to be working for him. Uh, Corey Coleman is all set to come back this weekend. 100% uh, go, says uh, Huey Jackson uh, for the uh, Browns receiver. He's going to make his return against uh, the Jacksonville uh, defense, which we know passing-wise it's very, very difficult to uh, move the needle against A.J. Boy and, and Jalen Ramsey. So taking week 11 out of the equation, Justin, from week 12 on, can Corey Coleman be a top 25 receiver with Deshaun Kaiser throwing to him? Uh, that would be cutting it close. I mean, he's very talented, and he, and he put up what, like about ten points in Week One against uh, a not bad Pittsburgh defense. I know we were all out there in Las Vegas watching that game, thinking that okay, maybe uh, you know Cleveland looked like they might steal one here, uh, and it didn't end up working out. But he, it's not just Week Eleven. I mean, he, he he's got Cincinnati, uh, they got Baltimore later on. I mean, he's got four top ten uh, passing defenses coming up and three of them are top five uh and right now i mean if you want to be a top 25 receiver a ppr receiver you need to average like a little over 12 points and yeah he'll 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 definitely get that in some games but i don't know if he's going to get it over all of them and then some of the guys hanging out in that area right now are guys like uh, juju smith schuster and robbie anderson and marquise lee guys that are like 
Devin Funches, guys that are coming on late in the season, either by injuries that have happened to other players or they're just they're just clicking now. Uh, it's going to be difficult for Corey Coleman to break the top 25. And Cleveland, I mean, it sounds odd, but for an for a winless team, uh, they're not a bad winless team. <laughs> and they've only, you know, they nine losses, but only three of them have been more than two scores. So, yeah, they frequently find themselves down, but they're not getting killed in the first quarter. They're not immediately turning to the passing game and chucking the ball downfield. And I think that has a little something to do with it. I mean, yeah, if you've got Corey Coleman, obviously, you, know, you put him in your line. If you held on to him for this long, congratulations. I'm glad you get him at this crucial part in the season. Uh, but I think we need to temper expectations, and I don't know that he's going to crack that top 25. He's going to be, I think, right on the border of it, and that's probably good enough for a flex position for you. Yeah, and he's a big he's a big play guy too, which you you know you have to understand that there might be some, you know, three for twenty five yard weeks, especially against some of these secondaries that he's facing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you could have a a, a six for one thirty and two touchdowns. You know, it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. Uh, follow up to that, Justin. Is there any, what 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 kind of impact what kind of impact if any does Josh Gordon have on that Cleveland passing game this season? If he if he can get in the game, you know he's a cor- some cornerbacks got to guard him. So that that you know Corey Coleman's not going to get double teamed. I I don't know. I've been wrong about stuff like this before, but when someone's been off for that long, I I just I don't have any confidence that they're going to come right in and get into the playbook, even if they've had the playbook the whole time and and and, and be a producer. But uh, it's a big body. It's a great red zone target. It's he's not coming in my lineup though. What's, you know what what's difficult for me is I had basically given up on Josh Gordon as a player for both Dynasty and Redraft. It just I was finding better what I thought was a better way of, of spending a roster spot instead of Josh Gordon. Here's what's frustrating to me because I I didn't you know when when he got reinstated I I was kind of like well now I should actually put in some bids on him you know just to be safe. And I yep. was very, 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 very conservative. I mean, I wasn't really, you know, out of a thousand dollar budget, we're talking like less than 30 bucks. It, it, I mean, it was <laughs> nothing. And then I picked him up in like five leagues. And now here's the problem. Now I think like I have Josh Gordon on all these teams. Like he, he could blow up. And now I'm, you know, I'm trying not to overvalue what he could be down the stretch because it's going to be so difficult for a, even a guy, his talent to be away from the game this long and to now jump into the season granted with what you think is fresh legs, but just to not be at the same level of football shape, it you're asking so much here, especially when you're talking about the money weeks. This isn't like the, the middle part of the season or the early part of the season. These are the weeks when you really have to nail those lineup decisions. And I feel like putting Josh Gordon in over guys who helped get you there is more often than not going to be a mistake. Oh yeah. I mean, he's got a new coaching staff. It's, Unfortunately, if he's on my roster, he's got to prove me wrong. He's got to have the big week that I miss out on before I'll put him in my lineup. Yeah, yeah, that's a and great so point. And so I feel it's almost like a lose-lose, but uh, good luck to anyone who has him. Yeah, you know, I wish you well. Yes, yeah, well, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what I, you've been so gracious with your time, and I really appreciate it. I, before I let you go, one last question. Uh, a player – that uh, was in this, you know, we, we touched on it earlier. There's a ton of them. A player that was drafted relatively high within the first few rounds in drafts this year that you either are ready to give up on, you know, knowing that uh, you're trying to load up now here for the stretch run. 
uh, or maybe a player you already cut, um, you know, be because you don't see anything, uh, you know, coming down the pike from him. Um, and then uh, conversely, a guy that you're actually going to be targeting uh, on the waiver wire this week, uh, or, or, you know, maybe a potential league winner that, that could be sitting out there that uh, you'd like to have a roster spot for. As crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, and I, I always wait on quarterback late. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who lost uh, Eric Rodgers because right. you, you draft a high quarterback like that. You don't have a big backup. I feel terrible for everyone out there with Jordy Nelson. Oh, for and sure. That's the, that's the guy. I mean, what are you going to do? Not start Jordy Nelson. But I think if you're here in a money week, if you're trying to make, if you're on the edge of making the playoffs or you're going to get in the playoffs and you need to win the head to head matchup, I don't know how you can put him in the lineup right now. Uh, I don't know if you want to cut him, but if, if you don't have anyone else, you can cut, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to take that risk right now of putting him in the lineup. It's not that, that I don't think Hundley's a capable quarterback. I think he can compete in the NFL and win NFL games. But for fantasy purposes, I mean, Jordy Nelson has just taken a nosedive. Uh, and then I really liked what I saw, as crazy as it sounds, with Dontrell Inman in Chicago now. Yeah. And he, he led the team in, uh, in catches in his very first game. Um, Chicago's always going to have to throw the ball, and the, and the schedule coming up is not terrible for receivers. Uh, I, I might make him prove it again, but I definitely want to get that guy on my roster if I can, if we're talking about lottery tickets. Uh, and if you if you didn't like Doxon when we talked about him earlier, uh, you know, maybe you want to look at Ryan Grant. He's, uh, you know, he's been doing well with, with Kirk Cousins, and they're going to keep throwing the ball, and if Reed's going to be out, and Crowder's going to be out, and, and, and they're not giving Terrell Pryor the run, then maybe that's somebody you stash on your roster. He's available probably on most waiver wires. A uh, couple of points I want to make with with what you just said um, regarding uh, those guys. Uh, first of all, I always think it's important to pay attention to inexperienced or um, below average or you know whatever it is, young quarterbacks like Mitchell Trubisky, who they lock in on. Because oh, chance, absolutely. chances are whoever they're locking in on, they're going to continue to do that until they're a little bit more seasoned in the NFL and can go through their progressions more comfortably and are able to find the open guy. From right now, it, it's just it's it's a crutch. It's easy for them to lock on to that guy, and when they lock on to that guy, that could be really good for fantasy purposes. So I totally I'm with you on Inman. Uh, second point I'm going to make about the Packers situation with Jordy Nelson. I don't think you can drop Jordy Nelson. I have him in one league. I don't plan on dropping him. Here's the interesting thing I want to bring up. Brett Hundley um was able to he made some pretty good throws uh, against the bears who have an underrated defense uh, on sunday on the road and got the win uh the packers are now five and four i don't want to say they're in the thick of the playoff race that their schedule coming up certainly uh does it, it definitely could be easier but it's not um but you look at if the packers remember they don't have to like be in the thick of the playoff race until week 17 if, if they can stay in it till like week 13, week 14, week 15, you know, just those last few weeks, you're telling me that Aaron Rodgers is not going to have that extra motivation. And not that, not that it's a motivation thing, because I know the bone has to heal, but you know, sometimes I just wonder if there is still a possibility that he comes back. And this isn't just me talking. I've noticed in the FFPC and, uh, uh, you know, Kentucky over the last few weeks, there's some pretty talented high-stakes drafters out there that have been picking Aaron Rodgers back up. So, and and you talk about sticking a guy in off the waiver wire in week 15, week 16 that you're getting in right now. Normally, I would say you're probably not going to be able to do it. 
Aaron Rodgers, you could for sure do it. Yeah, if you have the space on your roster and you're fortunate enough to, to, to have a, a place where you can carry that guy, or maybe unfortunate enough that you lost Rob Kelly this week, but you're okay on running back, or, or so you've got somebody or going stars, to IR like and you've got a spot. CJ Procise. It's, uh, right, you weren't using him anyway. Yeah. Right. If, if you can put that in there, and maybe, maybe you've got James Winston like I do, and you're just, you know, kicking yourself. <laughs> you've got somebody out there. Yeah, and if he, if he can get out there, if they can protect him, and he can get out there and, and and take over, you know, that's a huge boon to somebody. You didn't have to spend the draft pick on him. And that makes all the difference in the world and can make up for you missing out on a guy like, uh, you know, Allen Robinson or you had Jordy Nelson and now, now you get his quarterback back and it's a win-win and you, and you get those double points. But uh, if you've got the room for it, there's not a reason not to do it. The rosters aren't going to lock for another few weeks. So you're going to have, you know, if, if Hunley is terrible in the next couple of games, Packers can't get a win, okay, maybe you, you let Rodgers go. But, I mean, if he gets another win, maybe two wins, I, I'm telling you, but we might be talking about Aaron Rodgers as, as the pickup of the year. Uh, and You know, chances are still against it right now. But things are crazy, Justin, and they're only going to get crazier. I really appreciate you coming on the show this week and, and uh, dropping some knowledge. Best of luck to you. Uh, in both your FFPC main event team, your football guys, players, championship team that are both crushing it. Uh, best of luck to you in, in all your Kentucky leagues as well. I, I hope the ball bounces uh, your way this weekend and, and the rest of the season. And we'll talk again soon, man. Thanks, Balky. I always appreciate talking to you. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.